0: hey thank you for tuning in to tell email a storytelling podcast where we think educate learn and laugh with our special guests and yes we will get the piping hot tea straight from them by them now sit back relax and enjoy So hello, and thank you for tuning in to Tell Email. Today's special guest is exactly that, very special. I'm so excited that she is here. Let me tell y'all, like when I first met this woman, like I thought to myself, okay, this is a strong black woman, but it was more than that. So I have like three words that I can describe her with. And it is, she be sharp. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when I saw her, I was like, she did not have to come in here, this dog old fly. So like, you know, there's New York fly or Atlanta fly, Miami fly, Houston fly. But no, baby, she came in with the Chicago fly. That's a different type of, of fly. If you don't know, I'm telling you, it was like, Damn, we are at a baby shower. Did you have to put on a zoo suit? Like she was always dolled up. I remember her and another lady that she worked with. They were just jazzy. They would come in with their little suits on and their little suitcases. They were super cute. But when I tell you, I worked with her for over 14 years and she is definitely family. Like when I say mm-hmm. I might've spent what, two hours out the day with my kids and the rest of the hours, I was with her. So we really chilled. We had a lot of fun, even though we worked at a domestic violence center. But hey, I mean, what could you do? We didn't wanna be sad all day. So we did a lot of things together. But what I really, really love about her is that she is all about community, bringing the community together, keeping it strong. Like she lends her voice to the community in the most powerful way. And what is so crazy about it is she had the nerve to have two different carbon copies of herself. Yes, her two daughters, they are just like her. They just do just as as much as she does in the community too. They give back a lot and they are super sweet. It is um, Donna Michelle and Danielle. Like they helped me with this interview. One of them, yes, I reached out. The other one, she don't even know that she helped me (laughs) with this interview, trying to like do the research. But um, these are awesome people. Like they're super cool. These are the people that you want to throw the cookout, right? Like when they invite you, you you just say, yeah, I'm there. You don't question like who often to be over there. You just know it's going to be cool, right? So you can imagine that these are wonderful women and I am so blessed and honored to know them. But right now I'm going to let you get to know all about this beautiful soul right here who has helped me do so much. And she saw me when I came in as a little garbage pail kid and I just grew up right before her. <laughs> so... I will not hold back any longer. I will introduce you to Star. We call her Star, but her name is
1: Starletha.
0: So tell me, Star, how are you?
1: I'm honored to be in your space. I'm honored to sit here and hold space with you. Uh, Let me tell you, thank you for asking me to be here Thank you for the warm introduction. Thank you for the big shout outs to my heartbeats. They help my heart to continue to beat um, on a day to day basis. Uh, I am well. Uh, There have been a lot of things that have occurred in my life. Uh, I'll be, if the Lord allows me to see another year around the earth. Uh, I will be 63 next month. Uh, And there's been a lot, but every step I know counts. And there has not been one step that he has not taken hold of and allows me to grow from. I'll say it that way. Uh, So I'm well. I think I'm doing better than well. There are days when I'm like, oh, I'm throwing in the proverbial towel. I'm going to get in the car, put some gas in it, and I'm just going to drive away. And then he says, well, where are you going? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull it together. And let's do what God has called us to do. So here we are in 2023, uh, looking forward to doing what God has told us to do but I'm well so things are good they it's it's got bumps and bruises but with every bump and bruise we'll take the bumps and bruises and we'll use them to teach somebody else how to get over the bumps and bruises and use them to grow up so I'm good I'm really good
0: yes well that is awesome to hear I know that that is like what you're based around like serving the community and just I remember when you made that like safety net it meant you probably thought well let me just think about this safety net and try to help people out but I just thought it was genius like that's what we need so when we go through things like the bumps and the bruises sometimes we fall and we bounce back because we have a strong safety net. So with you just like coming up with that and making sure that people were, you know, headed in the right direction, that just like changed my life. And I was honored to like work with you and just see that happen because you don't always get that with a boss. But let's talk about you and becoming an author. So when and why did you become
1: an author? Uh, That was a dream, and I have to say out of all of the things that I had experienced, I would write stuff down Uh, through the domestic violence. uh, There were nights that God would wake me up and just give me like these little nuggets, Uh, and I would always keep a, a pen and a pad on the nightstand or under my pillow or uh, in the drawer in the nightstand. And he would wake me up in the oddest moments of night. Now that I've learned that the th- between the three and the six were the watch hours, and that's where war- the war times would happen, those prayer hours between three in the morning and six, that's where warring happened in the heavens. I did not know that until recently, but I would, he would always give me these little nuggets. So I would write these things down. And sometimes it would just be on little strips of paper and I would just take it and tuck it away or put it in my purse or put it somewhere where nobody could get it, right? And I always said I wanted to write or author a book, not knowing that... One day, maybe I would be able to do that. Uh, the church that I was a member of, there was a lady there that sat on the opposite side of where I sat, and I want to be able to kind of tie this and put a bow on it, so you could see how it all could interconnect. I watched her because she carried herself with such great poise, uh, and I would watch her. And she she never wasn't really involved with a whole lot of people. She just was quiet. And, poised and just, just a beautiful lady. And I did not know she was watching me. And so she had a Facebook page and I had a Facebook page and you mentioned something the other day about we post me and my kids post a lot of stuff on Facebook. And so I would just post some things and she one day reached out to me in messenger and said, hey, whenever you're ready, I got you. I'm like, what? What does that mean? What what does that even mean? For a couple of days, I didn't respond to that. And uh, she sent it again, and I finally responded. And she said, whenever you're ready, I have you. I will publish your book. That took me aback. And I finally called her. And she's a publisher, local publisher. Uh, and I was like, I don't have anything to publish. So she said, you have a lot to publish. I read your stuff on Facebook. It's, it's powerful. It's profound. I'll publish it. And so I said, it doesn't. I don't have anything put together. She said, put it together, whatever it is, put it in an envelope, send it to me, and we'll get it published. So her name is Angelia Vernon Mitchell. Uh, They have, it's called M-A-M-M Publishers or Production. Uh, I have to give a shout out to her because she saw something in me that I did not see. And they put together my book, The Journey to Destiny, kind of birthed out of the domestic violence because that was the name that God gave me in 2013. Uh, Because even though I had come through, there was a journey in that process that God was bringing me through. I didn't recognize it, but he was bringing me through it and he was leading me on that. I'm still on this journey that he was bringing me through and he brought that to me. So, uh, the, the writings in that particular book, uh, was published in 2015, 2016, uh, just kind of came together. And it's words of encouragement to let people know, regardless of what you're going through, there is an end to it. And at the end of that book, I kind of ended by saying, what does all of that other stuff that you just read have to do with anything? And I talk about the domestic violence at the end. And I said, that was my story. All of those poems, all of those proses, Things like that. Those are my story. That's part of my story. That's what kept me. That's what held us together, me and my daughters. They may not have realized it, but those were the things that kept us uh, while we were going through. Uh, and then out of that, birthed uh, in the valley I grow. And I realized that it's in the valley that we grow, the mountaintop experiences. Or just short time. God can't allow us to, to be on the mountaintop for long periods of time because if we did, we would get the big head and we would think it was us that was the success. We would forget that it was him that was helping us to be successful or making us successful. So he has to bring us into the valley to experience the trials, the tribulations the difficult times, but in the valley is where there's beauty, there's growth, there's opportunity, there's shielding from storms. If you think about it, if you look around, down in the valley, there's mountains around you. You don't get beat up that much by the rain because the mountains are keeping you safe. But up in the on the mountain, you'd be exposed to a whole bunch of elements. And down in the valley, stuff actually does grow. If you go out in the desert, there are some beautiful plants in the desert and in the valley. So that's how that that one came about. Uh, So God uses those books as teaching moments. Uh, I've done some teaching out of those books, out of both of those books. Uh, So I'm pretty proud of that. And I know that there's a couple other books that are being birthed uh hopefully I can finish those by uh well one by the end of my birthday well by my birthday and then there's another one that that I want to surprise somebody with hopefully around June maybe July uh if I can finish it yeah that I I didn't think that I had uh the ability to write but I do know that God uses me for greater and there is greater in inside of me uh and now sitting here with you I believe there is more birthing birthing out of it for this opportunity so I applaud you for uh for giving me this opportunity I do thank you of course
0: well thank you for like just accepting the invitation So the thing about us is when you put out your book shortly after that, I put out my book too, but we both got a blessing, uh, based out of Atlanta. I went to the bookstore, Madhu bookstore in Atlanta and that's at the Greenbrier mall. I was in there talking to Sister Nia and she was telling me about this program that she had and we were at the top, the very beginning of the pandemic, she actually had this program where she had authors going around in different areas, and they would take a poster, and Star and I both had our books on the poster, and even to this day, like, when you walk in the store, she still has that poster up, so our books are, like, smack in the middle. When you walk by, you can see them, and I've been to the store, like, numerous times and I've seen your books on the shelf and see mine on the shelf. And it is just a wonderful feeling to like, think something up and then you print it out and it's like, you can hold it in your hand, right? Right. So I really enjoyed like, even just talking with you about, okay, do you wanna do this? Cause I think I called you. Like God was like, you need to pick two people. So God put these two people on my heart. And I called, well, actually I sent a text <laughs> and I was like, whoever responds, right. you know, they're going to go with me. And it just so happens you respond. So it was just me and you. So <laughs> And the other person never said anything. So oh, wow! like, okay, well, you know, do the best you can, <laughs> but I know that you have a story to tell and Hey, I have a story to tell, but it's always hard to, like, let people know your story. But I was also empowered by you doing the monologue. So can you tell us about your experience with the... Dolores Bar Weaver Policy Center when you had to do your monologue like when I saw you on stage I was like yeah <laughs> I wish I could be here but <laughs> I was like oh, I know this is good I'm so sorry I'm missing it but you know I'm in central Florida and sorry that the tippy top but anyway can you tell us about your experience
1: with that so big shout out to Donna because at that time Donna was uh had tenure with uh, the Policy Center. Center. She was uh, serving there, and uh, she came. She called me. And she was like, "Hey, I think this is would be great for you. You should get involved. It's called See the Girl monologues, and they're going to be writing, and then they're going to be telling. They're going to be telling their story. Blah blah blah." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not interested." And so she was like, "No, I think it, I think it'll be cathartic and, and you know, you, you should do it." And I was like, mm, "I'm over it. I I'm I'm not interested." And so I think she mentioned it one other time and I was like, "Well, okay. Send me the information." So she sent the information to me I went the first time And there were these women and young women because the ages ranged from about, let's say, 13, 14, up into, I think the oldest person there was about 70. Mm -hmm. So it was a broad range. And they were all women. And everybody had a story. And all the stories were in reference to someone had marred their life. Somebody's hands had marred their life. So we're sitting around this table, and the person who was responsible for getting us to dig deep or dig deeper into places. That I would say that had been tucked away, or that I felt like had been healed, or had been placed somewhere that I didn't need any more exposure of it, because I had dealt with it. Maybe not, not really. Probably was. Yeah, residuals. Her name was. Her name is Yvette Angelia. Higher Adams. This lady had had a way of creating a, a safer space to make us dig deep. And she did over like an eight to ten week period. And we sat around the table. Uh, she would bring prompts and things to cause us to write. And we wrote for those eight to 10 weeks, not thinking about the fact that we were literally truly being cathartic, cathartic, not literally thinking about the fact that we were truly unearthing stuff that we had tucked away about people that we no longer really wanted to think about or that had become unimportant or uh, didn't matter, irrelevant, or we thought they were irrelevant. But when I tell you the night that we all got on stage, the power, that every one of us had when we walked up on stage and stood at the podium, or not at the podium, but, and commanded the presence of the audience because they had to hear us, but they not only heard us, they felt it. They felt the words reverberate through that space and they were they were taken to the places of what we had experienced and what we had lived and so their lives were now no longer the same because they took a little bit of each and every one of us and now they were responsible to go back out and do something with that, which means they had to now try to make life different in whatever space they held in community. They had to try to change community, whether it was human trafficking, whether it was domestic violence, whether it was some type of drug stuff, whether it was sexual abuse, whether it was incest, whatever it was that crossed the stage, every person in that audience was affected. And so being able to tell uh, the story and the life experience that not only I experienced, but my daughter's experience, which means my grandchildren experienced, which means my great-grandchildren experienced it, uh, was important. Because when you think about it, domestic violence doesn't just happen to the two people that right there that are involved. You know, it touches everything this way, right? Right. right. And what? It's not just, it doesn't have a social economic stamp on it. What did I always say? It touches from the poor house to the White House. It doesn't matter who you. It doesn't just touch brown skinned people. It doesn't say, "Oh, this is this is for from for the north side of Jacksonville." No, it's for Panavida as well. It doesn't just touch. Uh, you're in Central Florida, right? It doesn't just say Jacksonville. It's, or, or uh, Duval County. It's Central Florida, right? So it's all over the world. And so until the covers are pulled off of domestic violence and people really start to talk about it, like whole, whole major conversations about domestic violence, major conversations about human trafficking, major conversations about incest, major conversations about sexual violence, uh, major conversations about drug uh, using drugs to 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 traffic young girls Uh, all of these things that that happened to our young women uh we're still it's caught in these 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 vacuums so it that was life-changing for me and when I say life-changing not just the fact that the residuals. I tell you, when I stood on the stage talk, talking about the violence and the things that had occurred, I literally could feel the last chains fall off to the floor. Nobody else heard it, but I could hear the last chains fall to the floor and the last bit of power and control And the last strikes against my body fall to the floor. So when I walked off the stage, there was nothing else that that person could ever do against me that could hold me back. I would now become my own person that would hold me back. And I vowed at that point, I can't hold me back anymore. I can't even hold me back. There's nothing that I could do now but soar, and and I have to be, I have to soar like an eagle at this point. So that was, yeah, life changing, definitely life changing.
0: Oh wow! See, I told y'all how deep was that. I tell you, listen, when God puts something on you, it's it's yours, like your gifts, whatever it may be. Like we start talking about you know, the warring hour, baby, from three to six, that's the snoring hour for me, okay, God do not get deep with me like that, because he already know, uh-uh, get somebody else to do it, not Mel, uh-uh. not her, <laughs> so, I mean, just think about, like, what she said, right now, there is a war going on, like, people aren't ready, they're not ready to, take on this domestic violence, this human trafficking. Like I was on TikTok the other day and there was a lady and she wasn't a young lady. She looked like she was up there with me. Um, She was talking about you guys, you got to go to this young lady's page. Hmm. She is um a sex worker oh. and she's being trafficked and all hmm. of this stuff. And she's like, she is so beautiful. But she tells these tales about her stories with the Johns or the guys that she's with. And you know, I was on the bait of clicking. So when I actually went over to her page, the page had been banned and rightfully so because Mm -hmm. the next video that I watched, she talked about what happened to her in a hotel room with some guy who was, obviously on drugs and she was um telling a story about how he thought somebody was in the closet and he was beating whatever it was in the closet but he was beating the clothes as if he was beating a person so she was like oh my gosh I think I saw them run out in the backyard and he ran out in the backyard and that's how she made her escape but let's go back to the first lady I don't mind people like telling their story of what happened to them, which is, it was traumatic in a way, of course, mm-hmm. but the fact that the other lady glorified the fact that this young lady was telling stories about being human trafficked, right? So people don't even see that, but just to be entertained by something like that, that's not entertaining, especially if you're the victim or the person that is you know, being trafficked, like people don't really think now it's just like, I just want to see what happens or people are being entertained by this violence and, or they're overlooking like the real matter, which is so sad. So I feel like we still have a lot of work to do, especially with, you know, this subject. And it was hard for me to even think about domestic violence because to be honest, I wasn't ready. I really wasn't like, this is episode 16 and y'all know me. I have not had one episode where I really go deep into DV, but I know when I invited Star on, I was like, yeah, we can go there. So <laughs> with that being said, um, tell us about your contributions with the Still Surviving Project, which is Walking In Your
1: Purpose. So this was so ironic. I again ran into Clarice bags. Uh I think it was on Facebook. I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook. Saw this thing still surviving, walking in your purpose. And you know, it just grabbed my. I was like, wow, what is this? So I, I kind of read what her vision was reached out to her and she was like well let's just meet and talk so we met about at JU because I wanted to hear more about her organization what she was trying to do basically what what it was all about and uh, when we met she kind of did like a vetting to see if I was would fit her project with somebody that would be good for her project. And after we talked, uh, she said, oh yeah, I really, I would love to have you on and do an interview. So I was season 13 and, uh, we did the, the taping and she had me on, it's on YouTube. It's actually on YouTube. You can See it there. And I was able to talk about the domestic violence, talk about the, the violence, talk about what some of the things that occurred, the length of time that the violence went on, and then uh being able to get away, me and the girls, and and now live decent, you know, live a life that's I'm free. Uh and so. That taping occurred in, I think, I want to say 2016. It it rolled out red carpet, 2017. uh, She did this major uh, uh, red carpet event in January of 2017. Ever since then, I've been a part of her uh, still surviving uh, organization, I just attended uh, another uh, event that she just recently had a couple of weeks ago. This time it was called release. Um, And that's just basically making sure people stay free Um, and, and walk, continue to walk in your freedom, basically letting stuff go. You know, we tend to say we're free, but, you know, release really means that you this way, you know, once you release stuff, you got to, Turn your hands this way. Because this way means you're still holding it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When this way is really accepting, uh, you know, you're receiving, that you should be receiving from the Lord this way and not receiving foolishness. You should be receiving the blessings of the Lord. But this way is actually releasing and letting go. So uh, she had several speakers. There's a group called, from St. Augustine, uh, called She is Fierce that they're a powerful bunch of women and and they are, they really are, that that name fits them, she is fierce. Uh, And it's all about empowering women, making sure women really know that you are powerful, you really are powerful. I heard something today that made me wanna run. And if I can, I just wanna share it because, and it was uh it was a pastor talking about uh it was scripture, it was talking about, you know, when uh they wanted to kill all of the boys, right? In 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 Exodus, uh, kill all the boys, because he felt like that would get rid of everybody, that would get rid of us, right? Uh and he said, but if he really knew he would have gotten rid of the women or the girls because the power is in the women. Because when women grow up, when women really know who they are, they take their place and they grow up. Now I'll share this, I probably about, I shared something with my daughters I said, y'all y'all know the Lord made man out of dust. He created woman out of a bone from the rib, from the bone. My interpretation of that is this: we are unbreakable. so the because we are unbreakable is why he says we walk alongside of a man, not behind him not in front of him and not on top of him and not underneath, we are unbreakable. That's why he took us from his rib because we as women are unbreakable. And if you think about it, all of the hell that a woman goes through, have you broken? Okay. (laughs) No. Then we need to walk in our power and, and your power is not to overtake or belittle or put a man down, but it's to lift him up and make sure that he understands, hey, I'm here to help you, not to make you feel bad, but God did create me cause from your rib because I'm unbreakable, which means I'm sustainable
0: listen i'm sitting here like what (laughs) yes that is so true you know when you think about it like you know with women i I promise you i just had this conversation last week um with women the man can be like you know and not with all women not with all men no no Uh, no. yeah clarify (laughs) yes Not with all of us, cause some Not of us slam the door shut quick. Right. <laughs> but some of us, like, if we're in a marriage and the husband cheats, it's like, okay, it hurt, but you know I forgive you. But let it be the other way around. It's gonna <laughs> be like you was over there doing so and so. I saw this clip online where <laughs> this, the oh no, it was on um. B-E-T, I think it was like the series sisters or unfaithful or something. And the lady was like, she got caught cheating on her husband. So he took her back. He was like, Yeah, come on back. You know, it's okay. You know, it was a mistake or whatever. And she said the first time that they became intimate after the cheating,
1: she called her
0: the age word during uh-uh. the act, during the intimate act. And she was like, Okay this is not going to work. Right. she was like, in two days, I found me a place to stay and I moved out. So yes, it's like, oh, so you wanted me to come back, but you were hurt, but you can't, you had me come back so you could attack me, basically. Attack me, right. So, I totally get that. I understand that. And then like listening to all kind of podcasts today, like men are really hurt about certain things and they're not like checked in all the way because it's like the audacity (laughs) of you. Okay. And then there's some women that's out there that's just as twisted, but we just have to realize that um, I heard this on a podcast the other day, where the guy said, um, "Hurt people hurt people, but healed people help people. Help people, right?" Yes, so I was like, "Boy, you better say it."
1: Yes, <laughs> so yes.
0: The thing is, we have to do more healing. healing. Yes, we really yes. have to check in with ourselves because I saw that you um, spent this these last couple of days really doing the self-care and it's like that's the buzzword that is the vibe right now for us Mm -hmm. taking all of that energy and dumping it other places no put that energy back into yourself you know Mm -hmm. you want to take care of you because for one you can't pour from an empty empty cup No ma'am. When you're so healed, it's a beautiful thing. Like everybody can pick up on it. But right. you know, I had to do the um the light bulb uh story with one of the ladies I was talking to last week, and I was like, honey, this man, your husband, sees you shining, and he is draining the just draining you down to your very last compound. Right. You're a broken light bulb. Do you know how messy that is to try to take out of the socket? Like, you got to do all kind of stuff to get that broken light bulb out, right? Right, because
1: you're to get your hands all cut up.
0: Right, and that's where it was for her. So I was like, I ain't never going to tell nobody to leave the husband, but I'm no. going to tell you, you better heal. You got a lot of healing and a lot of self-care that you
1: really, right. really need to do. Right. So that, um, that empty cup thing, like empty cup light book came on, you know, I do a lot of, I guess, devotionals because, you know, I'm where I, where I have my, my current assignment is in the center of, and I keep asking God, why, why are you with me here with all these men? And they keep, the guys keep saying, uh, cause we had needed you. <laughs> so anyway, So one of the devotions I do is, is Psalm 23, verse five. Uh, And it's, it talks about, uh, about God preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, And that he had anointed and refreshed my head with oil, my cup overflows. And so he gave me a light bulb moment about that. He said, yeah, I I prepared the table. God prepared the table and I set you down at the table. Your enemies are on the other side of the table. They watching you eat the feast that I prepared, God prepared. They can see you, but they can't touch you, right? That's number one. Number two, I, God, anointed your head with oil. In other words, I walked up to you and I poured the oil a healing oil over your head so it runs down and it heals your entire head. It refreshes you and anoints you. It's cool. It's cooling. That's the self-care part of it, right? That's number two. And then number three, it also runs down into your cup, right? So your cup overflows. The third part of that was, I got a picture. My grandmother never served any type of food on paper plates or anything like no drinks out of paper cups or anything like that, and my grandfather and they drank coffee two or three times a day and it was always out of a coffee cup, real coffee cup with a saucer. So if the coffee overflow, it went into the saucer. So God gave you revelation of that. He said, when I pour the oil into the cup, it overflows right and it runs down into the saucer right. Your cup continues to be filled and you never give out of your cup. You always give out of your overflow, which is your saucer. So you never get empty. Your overflow, which is your saucer, is what you've given out of. You stay filled. Your saucer is is your overflow and what you give. So you never get empty.
0: Right, right. And see here, I thought I was just a little Dixie cup, the little one you use when you just go to the <laughs> dishes. Obviously, be the little paper cup. I didn't know I had a sauce. <laughs> but see, that's what I said. Let me um, over here so we can get popping with these conversations that we all need to hear. Like with me, I you know, I do my prayers and I pray to God, but I had never like asked God. I guess I, I guess when I was younger, I believe you can't question God. So I wouldn't ask God any questions. I'd just be like, God, if this is true, just show me a sign. That was, my, that was my logic since I was a kid. But, you know, people, they learn things. And I I believe the older I get, I learn more and more. And I really, you know, appreciate the wisdom of others. And then, you know, people like you sharing your story. So um, with your experience with the um, lay aside every weight symposium, I mean, symposium, and uh, I think it was, when did I become silent? I thought that was so powerful. So when I saw it, I was like, we gotta find out what Star had to experience and what she did
1: with working with this program. So Selena Edwards uh, wrote a book called Lay Aside Every Weight. She was doing a symposium, monthly and she invited me to come be a part of it and so at that particular time I really didn't even know what I was going to do and I prayed about it and the guy and God said uh do something called silent no more and I was like yeah that's where to go I like that so then I'm thinking okay so what would that even look like so I go to uh, the dollar store I'm walking the aisles, trying to figure out silent no more, silent no more. And I run across all these different colors of duct tape. So I buy the duct tape and I go and I create these other sheets of car- uh, cardboard, like colored cardboard and put on their solid no more flip it on the table so when the people come in there's three or four people to a table and they got duct tape They got these cardboards and some scissors and stuff like that and when they come in I have I'm with my back turned. I have tape on my mouth right because on the poster it had all these different women with duct tape on their mouths and so when I turn around I'm duct taped and then eventually I pulled the tape off, turned the board around. It says silent no more. So there was the effect. It got everybody's attention. Uh, I realized that I had become silent in the marriage. I didn't have a voice. Not only had I become silent, but I was invisible. I was there, but I was invisible. Uh, I may have been talking, but it was like nobody heard me. Uh, And then it carried over into employment or what I felt like I was not heard, not seen, unimportant. Uh, So that exercise caused, it actually caused people to think and begin to admit that they were experiencing some of those same things and they begin to write down when did that happen to them and why it happened because they had just kind of pushed it aside and so those are the kind of things that I really would like I'm probably going to get back to doing uh like little workshops and stuff like that uh because our voice is what helps us become powerful, what helps us become free, what helps us to become triumph. Our voice is our advocate. Without our voice, we are just blank walls. And we're ignored. So we have to be able to get to a place where we're heard. Yeah, where we're heard.
0: Well, I don't know about you guys, but... Listening to that, this little angel just came and sat on my shoulder and just started cutting up all these onions all of a sudden. (laughs) I I was like, wait a minute, can you go over there with that? Because I'm trying to hear the story. But I promise you, I teared up listening to the duct tape and just turned around with Silent No More because we especially, especially, Especially women who are always saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're always apologizing. apologizing about right. And we don't say what we really, really, really feel down inside. And I am so guilty of that. Like, and it's not even bad things. Like when no. I to uh my twin Robbie, she's like, oh, she told me this. I think this was yesterday. She was like, You're playing stuff. <laughs> Nobody will know until the day that you actually like put it out there. It's like, what? She's like, no, you don't really stop. You don't say what you're supposed to say. Like, if you need help or anything, you can just pop up and be like, hey, I just did this thing. I want y'all to come and see it. It's like, what, what, what? How did you even do all of this? Right. And you know. Especially with telling your DV story. I said earlier, you know, I haven't talked about it. And I don't know if it was because I started the podcast in November and I felt like I missed the month of October. So it was like, (laughs) I came on here. I talked about traveling. I talked to two inmates who were in prison. (laughs) I talked about a whole bunch of stuff, but I haven't like tapped in. To telling the story so silent no more. Look at God, what will he do? He just came I was like, boom, he just dropped gems on you. Star with me. Like, uh uh, get somebody else to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, with that
0: said, can you tell me um, what is your favorite way to serve? Uh, the community or the church. I think I have an idea, but I have a story to tell after you give your response. <laughs>
1: I think find the need and meet it. Whatever, whatever I've heard that someone is in need of. If oh okay, let me let me let me back up. So currently, where I serve, we run short of different things. And uh, I'll put like a call to action out. And I know that I have a tribe that if I put a call out, (laughs) (laughs) my tribe will answer. And if it's a need for the people, then they answer. And I'm not, I, I don't even know how that happened. I, I don't know where this even came about. Uh, I don't even know when it started. Maybe when when I was at Hubbard House, I don't know. But I just think we, when we were at Hubbard House, when when people needed something we didn't stop until they got it. Uh, we we saw what needed to happen and we made it happen. Uh, I know, you know, a lot of times we probably went against the people's policy, but but we met the needs of the people. And so I, I know for, for a church we've done things that people needed and I would take stuff. So one of the big things was, uh, you don't know my story. I took what what I knew, people didn't know my story. People don't know people's stories because people don't know what people will do with their story. Right. But I do know there are so many people out there with similar stories. So I took my story and said, hey, we need to do this because there's somebody sitting next to somebody in the church that needs to know that somebody else has the same similar story, but they're thinking that they are alone. And so we did it and they thought that maybe 10 or 12 people would show up. Over 300 people showed up. Over 300 women showed up. Wow. Yeah. We we had no idea that 300 women would show up that night. Uh, But 300 women showed up. And afterwards, people started coming. It was like, oh, my God. Because we chose random people to tell their story. And people started coming and saying, I thought I was by myself. I never knew I was going through, that somebody else was going through this. But at that point, those were the touch points. So doing stuff like that, connecting people to people to help other people get through what they're going through, I think that's, that's something that I love to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: yes so you hear the magic in that word but we're gonna pause right here before i give my response we're gonna pause and we're gonna listen in to our sponsors give their message hold on just a second this episode is sponsored by anchor would you like to create your very own podcast Well Spotify has a free user-friendly way for you to broadcast your show. It's called Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to create a podcast. Even a kid like me can use it. Go to anchor.fm and get started today. This is Maddie with Tell Email. Now back to our episode. my precious peaches thank you so much for listening in to tell email please subscribe to our podcast wherever you tune in from be sure to give us five stars and a great review follow us on instagram twitter facebook and youtube at email henry thanks